Hello, I'm Meryn Somerset Webb, and this. Oh, hang on. This is Meryn Talks Money, right? Yes. <laughs> this might take a bit of practice. Hello, I'm Meryn Somerset Webb, and this is Meryn Talks Money, the podcast in which people who know the markets explain the markets. Now, we're not really going to get into this until December when we're going to start having a podcast every week talking to some of the most interesting people in the markets, in fund management, and well, in anything you can think of, anything to do with money, we are going to talk about it. But today, I have with me the person who I've probably talked to the most over the last 20 years, my good friend, John Stepek, who writes the newsletter, the Bloomberg News letter Money Distilled, which I'm sure you all already subscribe to. And if you don't, you need to go away and sign up to it right now because it is absolutely brilliant. John is a very clever man. Hello, John. Hi, man. And I'd like to just thoroughly agree with everything you just said. Thank you very much. Now, over the last, what, 15, 16, 17 years, John and I have been having conversations all over the place. And there are a couple of subjects that we always come back to and that I think we'll be covering on this podcast, which by the way, don't get overexcited. John is not going to appear every time, but he will be popping in and out of this podcast. So you'll get to know his voice pretty well. But the subjects that we have been talking about relentlessly, and we will keep talking about it over the the coming years, we talk about house prices, we talk about uh, UK equity markets, U- US equity markets. We talk about bubbles. We love to talk about bubbles and booms and busts, don't we? We talk about those a yep. lot. Um, we talk about how to construct portfolios. We talk about precious metals. We talk about the energy transition. We talk about fossil fuels. We're a little keener on fossil fuels than most people, aren't we? <laughs> um, so, John, let's talk about what you've been writing about in Money Distilled recently. What's on your mind? Okay, I suppose the main thing is there's been kind of two big things. So one is inflation, obviously, because uh, at the moment we're kind of going into that period where everyone's thinking, oh, okay, are we are we near the peak? Is that it? And then can we go back to the way that things were like three years ago before you know, all the cryptocurrency blew up and when house prices were still going up and asset prices were still going up and interest rates were at 0%? And basically the answer is no. Um, and I'm not sure that anyone's quite figured out that Actually, no, this is for keeps. 10% inflation isn't going to be permanent, but we're not going back to 0% inflation either. Yeah, so basically inflation is both transient and structural, right? That's the thing that we've been talking about for ages. We've been saying you've got the transient element in there, but don't be fooled when it peaks because there's a lot of dynamics in here that mean that inflation at 4 or 5% is, is a long-term dynamic. You're not going yeah. back to 2. You're not going back to 1. You're yeah. not going back to 0. No, actually, really interesting. I saw um, a, a chap on Twitter who I follow, Dario Perkins, who's at TS Lombard. I think and he's he was, very good. Yeah, he's a smart guy, but he was reposting something from, uh, I, I don't know. I'm the putting him on my guest list. Actually, you should. Yeah. Um, but he reposted this couple of things that an ECB economist had done, talking about, um, basically what they'd done is they'd done a counterfactual, looking at what would have happened if you'd run a 1970s-style monetary policy during the Great Moderation, which is the period when, you know, basically inflation fell to nothing and, you know, we had this kind of boom period. And it wouldn't have made any difference, is what they found. And so their argument was, well, actually, what's driven the Great Moderation were, were structural influences, which were fairly obvious things like, you know, kind of the, the global labour market expanding to include China and China manufacturing lots of cheap goods. And that's what kind of suppressed prices for that length of time. And now, of course, we're going to... And that reduced the power of labour. So wages yeah. stayed low for ages, you know. So you can lay it pretty much at the door of China technology... Yeah 
increasing the global labor supply, demographics at that good demographics, yeah. etc. And yeah. that's it. Aye. And so then old. we had this dynamic where central bankers believed that they did this. They yes. did this. I mean, the arrogance, right? The arrogance that they mm. did this. And then come the inflation, they believe that they can get rid of it. But of course, they can't because all these structural no. things have turned around. Globalization yeah. has peaked. Uh, power is returning to labor. Wages will start to rise globally. Yeah, which is which is good for, for workers. Very good. Um, it is going to be a much harder time for asset owners and investors, low. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's one reason why we can spend a lot of time talking about it. Because um, then a, a kind of decade of inflation volatility is going to be a much tougher sort of environment than the last 20 years have been. Oh, interesting. Inflation volatility, not just inflation sitting around at 4 5%, inflation moving all over the place. Yeah, that's I awful. Like that's that so idea. much worse. Yeah, I like that. I like that as a, as a concept because it's this thing, I don't know if you've seen it, but again, Deutsche Bank did a nice wee historical study, but as soon as inflation hits 8%, basically, and I've seen other people talk about this as well, but it's that idea that it's, it's almost like you get a state change. So, you know, like when you boil water, it's all, it's just water, 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 and then it's suddenly steam, and suddenly it all, you know, the way it acts changes totally. It's the same way the economy and inflation. So, you know, up till about, you know, mid single digits, it's kind of predictable. But then once it goes above 8% or another figure, then it starts to kind of bounce around a lot um, over a prolonged period of time. And, and once it's gone above that, it's never going back to as quickly to the sort of areas that markets are pricing in just now. So it doesn't go back to 2% next year. Yeah. You know, you're lucky if it goes back to kind of 6%. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a very, very different kind of world from the one that actually the vast majority of us have grown up in and um, invested through. But one of the things that we've talked about a lot over the years, and we'll try and get um, the wonderful Russell Napier, who's a brilliant strategist, we'll try and get him on the podcast yeah. quite soon. Everyone, everyone <laughs> will love him. Um, and one of the things that he always talks about is how this is the dream for uh, for governments anyway, to have inflation at 4 or 5%, to everyone to feel okay with that, because once inflation has been 10%, everyone's okay with 4%. Um, yeah. And if you can keep it at 4 or 5%, and you can have negative real interest rates during that time, i.e. nominal rates below 4 or 5%, uh, then you can really really work on getting rid of uh, public debt and everything's going to be okay in a decade. Well, yeah. And I mean, that is, in a way, that, in a way that's the upside, you know, because all this stuff we're worried about just now, you know, like the, uh, you know, the, this massive kind of like debt that's hanging over us, that's the way that you get rid of it in a relatively painless kind of way. I mean, of course, the problem is it's not painless because somebody has to pay for it and the people who pay for it are usually kind of savers. Mm. Um, Anyone with wealth at the moment. Yeah, aye, exactly. Mm. Massive um, downside to financial pressure. And we will cover that at length over the next couple of years, yeah, I think. There's definitely. That's going to be a significant pain. Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, I, I, I read something the other day about someone looking to uh, target pension pots and saying that, you know, everyone with a defined contribution scheme should be investing in these alternative energy schemes or infrastructure schemes. And suddenly you're thinking, well, you know, that's classic financial depression where you're getting told where this this pool of capital which is just stuck there that's you know it has to go into these assets uh whether or not they deliver a good return yeah, so we know they won't right yeah, and if you, whenever you're forced yeah, to put exactly. your money into things yeah. by government you yeah. know what's going to happen next Aye. you know because if it was attractive you wouldn't have to you force wouldn't have to be in, forced yeah. into it so, anytime you're coerced it's not yeah. attractive in the first place. Yeah, no, a lot of that stuff is coming. Okay, so here you are writing this newsletter that we're going to talk about a lot over <laughs> over the however many years to come. Well, I hope yes. Um, what do people do? Ah, uh, now there's the question. 
<laughs> That's why I'm asking you, not the other way around. I the thing I've been writing about a lot recently, and I've been it has been for a while is the is kind of UK equities, um, and obviously it's not the only thing that's interesting out there. But one thing I do like about the fact that, I mean, a the UK is cheap, b it's been detested for so long that it's hard to you know remember the last time it was popular. Um, and also, I was thinking about this the other day. It reminds me of whenever we used to go in about Japan yeah. before it, you know, became appealing again. Don't tell people um, we go on about stuff. I don't want them to know that so early on in the game. Well, you know, whenever we we, we discuss the long term uh, opportunities, uh, which is what you should be looking for as investors. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be looking for the short term stuff because you know where that leads. That leads you to FTX and panicking <laughs> about how you can't get your money out of your bank account. <laughs> Anyway, that's just there. Uh, you know. We will be talking about <laughs> cryptocurrencies as well, but possibly not in a tone that everyone will like. Yeah. Um, but no, it's so, uh, UK. So it's nice to see that actually on our doorstep, there is stuff that is incredibly cheap. And, and on any valuation measure you want to look at, and I mean, uh, our, our old pal Duncan Lamont from Schroeder's is always kind of oh, like we'll pointing get him out. On too. Yeah, we should actually. Yeah, Duncan's he's good. smart. Yeah, and, and kind of underrated, I would say. So it's like, you know, we, he, he always kind of like uh, puts out this uh, study where he talks about the fact that it doesn't, you know, whatever sector you look at, even if you're comparing directly comparable companies, the UK ones are trading a discount to mm-hmm. the US ones mm-hmm. and often to the European mm-hmm. ones as well. Even once you've taken out the tech sector stuff, yeah, it's still I, true. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're kind of like, well, why is that? And I mean, no one actually really seems to know, but the obvious answer seems to be that, well, global capital has kind of shunned the UK mm-hmm. and it's probably shunned it more since Brexit mm-hmm. because, um, you know, the, the, it's easy to park it in the this is too hard to understand basket. Because the UK is ultimately quite a small chunk of the global equity uh, market by market value. And also, it's just been much easier to stick all your money in fine stocks for a long time because then you've outperformed the global benchmark anyway. That's all changing. Yeah, so again, well, it's another structural change. needs to have a little think, doesn't it? Because there's yeah. one thing we've learned over the last year that actually we knew already, didn't we? It's that valuations <laughs> actually matter. They actually matter. You know, we were told during the great growth bubble that it didn't matter what you paid for a growth stock because the growth would outrun the valuation, everything yeah. would be fine. And uh, we knew that wasn't true at the time. Yeah. And it definitely isn't. And global capital needs to have a good think yes. about how it's time to start looking at valuations and paying the correct price because it's the price you pay that determines the return you make. Yeah. They have a book with themselves. Go mm. back and read their Warren Buffett. Absolutely. Well, my new favourite book, by the way, um, The Money Game, uh, published in the 60s, uh, a pseudonym, Adam Smith. Everyone should go get it. Absolutely brilliant. And the the chapter on growth stocks, which he doesn't call growth stocks, he calls performance stocks, is, I mean, totally brilliant. Gives you a total roadmap uh, for what happened during the last yeah. growth bubble that is just ending and uh, reminds you of what may happen next because it's not over yet, this bust, is it? Performance stocks. Performance stocks. Oh, they used to call yeah, gross stocks. So. And Fidelity was the Bailey Gifford of the day. Well, I mean, the, the good news for Bailey Gifford is Fidelity is still going strong. So. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that is true. See, there's a silver lining for yeah. everybody. Uh, right, um, podcast listeners, thank you very much for listening to us talk about what we are going to talk about. Yeah. And uh, these are all things we will start talking about from December. Uh, John will be here relatively frequently and there will also be uh, a very interesting, very, very interesting guests on an almost weekly basis. Um, and we very much look forward to talking to you then. Yeah, I've heard the guest list, potential guest list. It sounds very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Good. (laughs) 
Thank you, John. <laughs> Thanks, Mel. Thank you so much for listening to this uh, first introduction to Merrin Talks Money. Uh, please do be sure to subscribe uh, to the podcast at your podcast provider of choice. 